Hi everyone, welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. My name is Ton Dobbe and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration and the author of The Remarkable Effect. I envision a world where every B2B SaaS startup succeeds because they're creating software that customers would miss if they were gone. And here's why. Research consistently shows that 90% of all startups fail, and that's bad. What's worse, however, is that 75% of SaaS scale-ups fail, companies that are supposed to have product market fit. Far too few scale-ups create the traction they aspire for and fail for the wrong reasons. And I believe this should stop, and hence I created my business. And the goal that I have with this podcast is twofold. First, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. Secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what it requires to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. The guest of my podcast today is Baptiste Boulard, CEO of Swapcard. When you are an entrepreneur, you're building the future which doesn't yeah. exist. So if you're not curious, you know, it's very hard because there is no recipe and no one can really help you. What you have to do is be very curious in terms of your reflection with the people you meet and grab ideas from everything you do. This is Baptiste. He's an ex-lawyer who turned entrepreneur and tech enthusiast. This Henry Ford quote drives him the most. Anyone who stops learning is old, at 20 or 80. Anyone who keeps learning stays young. Life is about keeping your mind young. Today, Baptiste is the CEO and co-founder of Swapcard. He swapped his career in law to launch the company alongside two childhood friends with the vision to change the way people network at events. What's underpinning their vision is the belief in the impact of human-to-human interaction in the digital world. Swapcard is therefore on a mission to bridge the gap between the online and the face-to-face world thereby aiming to unlock meaningful encounters that have, until now, been impossible. And that inspired me, and hence I invited Baptiste to my podcast. We explore what's broken in the space where we make our biggest marketing investments, the world of events. We discuss how a lot of things have been solved on the process side, but not on what's most valuable, networking. Baptiste shares his big lessons learned from his entrepreneurial journey. What was required to not only survive the pandemic crisis, but actually come out of it stronger? The pivots that he's led to move from a nice-to-have into a mission-critical domain, and what was required to build a SaaS business that the world talks about. By listening to his podcast, you will learn four things. Firstly, what skills to develop when you're building a future that doesn't exist, and there's no recipe. Secondly, what to do when everything you've done and all the value that you've built seems to become worthless. Thirdly, that even in the densest markets, you have ample of opportunity to dominate a niche. And fourthly, that a strong culture is the foundation to survive any crisis and how to go about building one. Well, hi, Baptiste. Thank you for making the time available today and being a guest on my podcast. Aiton, thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, that was an easy switch. I met your colleague, the CFO, Nicola who I had a fascinating call with again on the platform Lunch Club, which seems to be a sort of a repeating topic on this podcast as well. But yeah, I got fascinated with the journey that you've been through and yeah, how you're taking a different approach around organizing events. And yeah, since, of course, the whole world has gone remote in the last 20 months, 
And I've seen the, uh, the growth of this and then the switch of a lot of my customers to physical events, to online events, and now a mixture of it. I just had to have someone on my podcast that is in this business. So Yeah, uh, I think it's a very interesting industry, maybe one of the main industry that has to really, really adapt and did a huge pivot. I've been a bit like retail, like the food industry world with all these uh, delivering platforms that really boomed. I think yeah. our industry really was in a hard time and it's still in very hard time, but there was a massive uh, thing. What happened in our industry, it's something that would, had never happened before and hopefully will never happen again. Yeah, but it's always an interesting thing. Of course, these things happen you, and you see them coming sometimes or you don't. And then the question is like, what do you do with it? That's going to be a topic to def definitely explore. But before we start, a little bit about you. If you would have to describe yourself as a CEO or as an entrepreneur, what characterizes you? I would say that what characterizes me the most is I'm very curious. This is why actually I become an entrepreneur. I used to be a lawyer very specialized in very large and complex infrastructure and energy deal in the world. And so like nuclear plant, building them, launching satellites, all this very fun stuff to do. But, you know, after walking that field for a few years and I also did my studies in that specific field, I become kind of bored because I was eating a plateau and I realized life for me was about grabbing knowledge and learning new things and not getting the richest. And so I decided to become an entrepreneur. And since that day, you know, I've been learning and I'm still learning every day. Every day there is a new challenge, especially when you are running a hyper-growth company, one of the fastest companies in the world. And so you need to constantly solve challenges and there is historical challenging, there is current challenging, then there is a challenge that will be here in a few weeks after. So this is what really, what really characterizes me is that, and I will start being an entrepreneur or I will start being in that journey by the day where I will no longer learn something. That's a core one. I mean, I wrote my book, The Remarkable Effect. And one of the things that defines remarkable software companies is that they master the art of curiosity. So that's how it starts. You know, it's asking, asking questions, keep asking the questions and never assume things that are correct because then they have changed. Yeah, fascinating. So when you are an entrepreneur, you're building the future, which doesn't yeah. exist. So if you're not curious, you know, it's very hard because there is no recipe. And no one can really help you. What you have to do is be very curious in terms of your reflection with the people you meet and grab ideas from everything you do. Like, And so I would say I'm a sponge because I'm so curious. I'm a sponge. I'm listening to everything. I'm trying to use every knowledge I can grab in the world, reading lots of books, two books a month, speaking lots of people, speaking with customers, looking at what's happening which company is rising. I'm looking at every fundraise every day. I have my newsletter and there is also the, the new technology like blockchain, crypto, and basically all this, you know, is help you to think really outside of the box and yeah. give you clarity into the strategy. Fantastic. It's the spirit. And yeah, keeping it well, up. A lot of people say it, but it's very hard to keep up and I understand that. Rolling back the clock to 2013 when you started, swap card what was the big idea behind it what was the problem that you saw that was screaming for an answer 
Yeah, so the reason why I launched WebCard was because I had a challenge and I wanted to solve that challenge. And so from this idea, we evolved a lot. But the first idea was to connect people. And the end value of connecting business people was to make sure they will stay in touch forever. And so when we change job, you can track where your colleagues or your contacts are going and then you will use this connection one day. And so, for instance, one example, let's say you are a client of mine and then you move to another organization. I wanted to be alerted and know that you have joined that organization and because we have trust, because we have relationship, I will be able then to grow and work with you at this next organization. And so what so basically was really creating a database of users that connect together in a digital way using a digital business card. This is why we're called Swap Card. It was swapping card. And then we get connected and then you can manage your address books. But that address book was focusing on contact details. So like a proper address book. But then it was about connecting that to databases like your CRM system and your company databases like marketing tools. And so you will be able to track every people you meet. And so the reason why I wanted to provide that is because when I was just before to be a lawyer, I was working in a construction company as an in-house legal counsel. And I wanted to move to something even more complex than infrastructure. I wanted to move to energy, especially on the oil and gas, because it's very complex and I love complex stuff. And so someone gave me a business card and said, hey, you should reach out to that guy. But this guy have moved to Yemen and so I could not reach to him. And he was not on LinkedIn. And LinkedIn was not as big as today. And so it was impossible for me to reach out to him. And I said, why do we exchange a piece of paper in this digital world? We should disrupt and remove digital business card. And we should connect through something which is digital. So then you have a lasting relationship with your contacts. And we still need someone to keep the business card and provide something much more valuable than some a piece of paper. And yeah. so this is how the first idea of SwapCard came, was connecting people, but then to help them keep the relationship with their audience and better manage their address books. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I immediately started thinking about, but what about LinkedIn? And of course, that was a, a huge competitor possibly in that time. But I mean, what I've seen on your website, you have evolved quite a bit since. It's not only about swapping cards anymore. Yeah, we just kept the name because this is part of our DNA and our roots. And I think it's very important to remember who you are and where you come from, especially when you're an entrepreneur, because every mistake you make at the first years, they really define you and define your culture. But we are still doing the same mission. We have evolved in a way, but the why is the same. The how is different. The why is the same. Our why is to connect people. And then it's how do we do that? We no longer do that like connecting individuals and using digital business card. We connect people through events. And actually, when we launched, because we wanted to acquire a user base, we wanted to grow and acquire users free of cost, of course, because we had absolutely no money. We say where the people will need the platform the most and where do you exchange business cards during events. So this is how we slowly entered into this event space and realized that the experience was just horrible. When you attend an event, you will register and that's it. 
then you will have an email say, hey, we're attending you. This is your badge. Come and collect your badge or print your badge. And that's it. And then you are entering the event and there is thousand or hundred of people and you don't know who is who. You are spending time with people you meet. And then basically the serendipity networking just a waste of time for everyone. And this, when you attend an event, you don't want serendipity. You want to target and you want to meet the right people because yeah. this is why you're here. And so this is where we realized that it was not just helping people to swap business card. It was actually helping people to find the right people they should talk to so they make sure that they have a valuable experience. And that time when we entered this event space in 2015, there was absolutely no networking platform available. Um, the platform where mostly Eventbrite or other registration platform. <clears throat> and there was no end-user platform focusing on networking. So this sure. is how we evolved. It was a natural evolution. Let me make a small interruption here. Baptiste just made an excellent remark about what led them to the essence of their business. They had a strong vision that focused on the why and not the how. And that allowed them to pivot to continue to optimize their value. By being critical about what are the most valuable and critical problems to solve, they found their niche, and then they claimed that. And this is a trait remarkable software companies master. They master curiosity, they focus on the essence, and then they hone in on creating new value possibilities by being different, not just better. And you can master these traits as well. Simply go to valueinspiration.com and grab a free Kindle version of my book, The Remarkable Effect. I guarantee you, new inspirations will spark within the next 30 minutes. Back to the interview. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I've done a lot of events at my previous job at Unit 4. and I was always amazed how inefficient it is when you are indeed bringing 1,000, 2,000 people together. For example, in the industry where I was coming from, you have people that are specialists in procurement, and specialists in finance, and specialists in this and that. And we don't bring those people together other than, for example, a couple of sessions where they're either in the back of the room or in the beginning of the room. But other than that, is nothing. And how do you solve that in a simple way? And that's super valuable because these people come, they're normally in their job working the full year and then they have the opportunity to meet peers. And this is the first reason why we attend in-person events. The first reason is to connect with people yeah. because for virtual events, it's, we attend virtual events to learn. It's the content, but in real life, it's all about the connection. So the people who go to an event, they want to meet people, peers, ex-colleagues, whatever, but they, they come for one reason. They know the type of people they want to meet. And I agree with you. We actually power events of 300,000 attendees. Imagine the noise and finding the people you really want to spend time with. You really need a platform to help you and say, hey, these are the people you should meet and you can filter and search and make sure that you have pre-scheduled everything. So when you attend the event, you don't have this awkward situation where you arrive and you know no one and sure. then you start networking with the wrong people. And maybe after one hour speaking with many people, you will have one really valuable conversation. And so this is what was the solution we're providing, like streamlining this connection. First of all, it was at in-person event, now online as well, and hybrid events. Yeah, I can understand that. Fascinating. So what is the opportunity if we get this right? You know, if the world starts to adopt this type of technology, what will change? 
I mean, it's a ricochet impact. The people who will go to an event, they will meet the right people and they will do something together. So it can be in many different types of sector for many different types of things. You know, you can go to, let's say, a festival and then we create a band because these people met. It can be a scientific congress and these people will become Nobel Prize. Or it can be just entrepreneur who meet their investor that happened to us. Or it could be you finding your next customer and having an entrepreneur that will be part of your podcast and that someone will listen to the podcast and then it will become his biggest customer. So there is a lot of ricochet. And this is what we, that will be the impact of having this technology. And we should always have a networking platform for every event we attend, even a small event of 50 person. When you do like, even like your family events or like wedding, whatever you have, Facebook group, the first thing you want to know is who's coming. Do you know people or do you do know people? Who are the people coming? And so there is value to that for any type of events, no matter the size, I believe. Completely agree. Yeah. Yeah, I like that word, ricochet. So kind of going through the journey of creating the platform, of course, there's a lot of technology available. You make choices. So what has been yeah, the single thing that helps you create the most impact with your platform? Maybe yeah, the single best product strategy decision that you've made. It has been an incremental journey, building a lot of different features all together. I would say that really there is the networking capacity at Swapcard we use. First of all, we, we have a different angle than almost every other player. We use AI because we power very large event. And yeah. so when you have this, I said, like from 30 to 300,000 attendees, and then you just don't just have attendees, you have exhibitors, they have products, there is session. It's very hard to navigate. And so we build our own AI since now 2017. And we invest a lot into R&D for this AI. And now, like, what's really, we, we see really the impact of having this AI because 27% of all connections we do are based on the AI. Of course, it's hard to have 100%. Some people really go into granular types of research into the platform. I want to find this type of exhibitor who have this type of machine who is based in this region. That's very hard to crack and know before they do the research. But that's something really we're proud of to know that we are AI power and that there is the almost a third of all the interaction happening are based on the AI. Yeah. Yeah, that's a must-have these days. I completely agree. The moment your events become super scalable, yeah, this is where the magic comes from at the end. I mean, that's yeah. also, for example, why for, for me, Lunch Club works so well because, you know, there seems to be AI behind that. And so far, so good. It's just bringing the right connections and the right... It brings serendipity. We're breaking serendipity. We do the opposite. We don't like serendipity. It's just a different value proposition because at events you have stuff to achieve. So you have an agenda in mind. And then at the end, maybe if you have some time, free time, then there is a serendipity that, sure. will, that will be part of it. But what's funny is that to realize that even still today, we have lots of customers there or there are new customers and they used to use Excel to match people. And this is how they match people. And if you go to try show, most of the matchmaking is like this person should discuss this person and it is based on Excel. 
And so we're providing a software that where in the software you can all organize your own matchmaking program, but basically trying to remove this organizer, we sit in the middle and say, you two should meet. Like we're providing that interface where people can actually schedule meetings on their own and making sure they meet the right people versus having someone curating your meetings. Even though organizer using the platform, we see curate meetings or we see pre-scheduled meetings, but we're giving that ability to the end user, both the attendees and the exhibitors. Yeah, yeah. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel. What has been the decision in this whole journey that appeared to be really important for your success right now? Oh, it's moving to virtual events. Yeah, As COVID sure. arrived, we made the decision very early to adapt the platform and the entire company, not just the platform, because we basically from one day to another, we just seen that the booking were dropping and then all the events in the world were banned. And because we run massive event that was the first segment of the industry we was banned. It was not just banned in Europe, it was banned all over the world. True. And so we lost all our customers. And so very quickly I brought the team and I say, okay, we have to adapt to virtual events, otherwise we'll be dead in three months' time because we had no cash in the bank and we could not just wait and hold like many yeah, businesses have been able to. That was really critical and this has led to an enormous growth for our organization. So what happened from that moment? You mean, yeah, you, of course, you see news, you see that, of course, this crisis or this virus is coming. Then you see that everything, you know, all these things, all the domino stone starts to fall. And of course, one of the things is like, okay, no more big crowds together. Customers, of course, start to cancel events. And you see your revenue, your pipeline just evaporate. Take me through that period of the steps you take and how do you keep the company together and how do you keep everybody motivated and on track like we're going to make this? Yes. So the first thing we've done is that we brought everyone together. We were not all based in France at that time. We were like around 35. Some people were abroad, some people were in France, but we come up with a meeting and we laid on the strategy. We explained what was happening and then we explained what we would be doing and say, okay, we will move to virtual events. And then we explain also that, you know, we had no option. And so either we make, made it or either we died. And so then, you know, your role at the CEOs really change. There is peace CEO for peace and there is war CEO. There is actually a great book that has been the hard things about hard things, something like that from Paul Graham and the founder of Y Combinator. And, yeah. and he explained it very well in his book, and I become a war CEO. So when we have called, was before all the lockdown, we pushed all the team and say, we will work from remote from tomorrow. So you'll take all your stuff. Some people just had been in the company two days. They arrived, 
Two days after, they say, take your stuff, you go home. And they have met now people 18 months after. And so it was a crazy, crazy ride. And so then basically you want to, because you're changing everything, you're changing your roadmap, you're changing your sales approach, you're changing your website, you're changing your materials. And then there is lots of people who have no more job. Of course, we were no longer recruiting. We didn't have any customer. So the support team had nothing to do. And so we were reallocating resources into what we have to do. So part of the people moved to the sales team for like three months doing emails and code calling to explain what we were doing to the market and say, hey, you can move to virtual events and you can trust us. And then we basically, we had stand-up meetings every morning starting at 8.30. Every team were meeting all together and you had to explain what you did last year, last yesterday and what you yeah. will be doing today, every day. This during three months. It was very military. We had lots of meetings internally. We were doing weekly reports for investors looking at the cash, trying to survive every week per week. And so it was really intense for us as CEO because we have worked so much into our, our company. And then we could see that everything we have done was just disappearing the value. True. But we had a very strong and motivated team because we have an amazing culture. I think everyone CEO can do that, but our retention speak by himself and the people who join us said it's very hard to find a company with such a strong culture. And I think because everyone was so supportive to another, to each other, and everyone was really part of this organization they really believed in too, and they really liked the colleagues, the environment, the freedom we were giving them. They were all willing to work extremely hard when you yeah. were in lockdown and when your partner, your family members, your friends have no job and they were doing just really entertaining stuff and you had to work really from... 8.30, sometime 11 p.m. every day during three months. Yeah. And so I think what really make us pass this really intense first wave, because then there was an ever more intense exactly. waves delivering the platform to the customer, is really the culture. And actually, at Swapcard, every people who join, they have a talk with me. And I, I share stuff about our journey, but I explain them why the culture is so important and why it makes us a stick as a company and everyone was really motivated because of the culture, because they we trust them so much because they have so much freedom and they could come up with a crazy idea. And this is how we launch our own virtual event was a massive success because we were listening to the team and they say, someone in the people team say, Hey, why don't we run a virtual event? And we were like, okay, we have the team. It's, you think it's the right things to do? And, do we have the capacity? Can we do that? Do we have the skills? Of course, we'd never have organized an event before. And so we say, okay, let's do it. And because we were ambitious, we say, okay, let's have 1,000 attendees. It will be amazing. We had above 4,000 attendees. So but it goes back at the end to the vision, right? And to your DNA, how it all started. It's about connecting people and connecting people in a way that they stay in touch forever. And that doesn't tell you where they are. You have to follow them where they are and they become virtual. So, yeah, exactly. This is what we I keep saying to my customer and we keep saying them is that come back to your why. Why exactly. do you run events? And don't focus on the how. 
because what is important for you and your team and because our customers were doing the same transition than us, they were like everything was new to them and they had like internal challenges, people who were not believing into virtual events. And I was like, come back to the why. The leadership must explain this is the why we're still doing the same. We're doing differently, but we're still have the same vision and mission. And I agree with you. It's like events are to connect people and deliver knowledge to these people. So it's both online or fully virtual or hybrid. At the end, we do the same job. Has COVID, I mean, of course, we now, we now can look back in hindsight in terms of what happened and how the industry transformed and how that the growth it created, but has it made you a stronger company? Absolutely. What is an example of that? We moved to the, the COVID-19 changed our customer mindset forever. I was actually looking at a report done by the French Events Association, but you have the same type of report all over the region by all these local associations. And it was like 75% of the organizers believe that digital is the way to go and they must invest into digital. And what they realize is that with virtual events, they can keep the interaction with their audience, something they could not do before. And they were had no interaction in between events. And so now there is a huge learning curve for this organization to become digital. And sure. the event industry was one of the last industry sector who was not digitalized. It was digitalized for the upstream, like having registration platform to collect databases, but that's it. And so this sector, which is the biggest marketing expenditure in the world, is sure. going towards its digital evolution finally. So us as a platform where we are leading and providing this type of software, it made us no longer a nice to have, but an absolutely must have. That is critical. I've written about it a couple of times now. That's the one, the moment your solution, of course, is seen as nice to have. It's a very, very tough sell. But yeah, this came as sort of as a gift from above. <laughs> Yeah, for me and my organization, definitely. For my industry, I'm not sure. What I know is that it's giving the opportunity to this industry to think big and become a better industry and really use technology to provide a better value to the attendees and exhibitor. There has been lots of our customers, lots and lots of revenue. They had to let go, sometimes half of their team. So it has been tough and it's still very tough because this organization, they really monetize events in person versus online. So they still have a lot of challenges regarding monetization, their audience online. And so I'm sitting in between, you know, I'm providing a solution to my customers. So when my customers are doing well, I'm doing well. When they are doing bad, you know, I'm not doing that great. And I want them to get back to what they used to do to restore their revenue. They can still invest. But in the same time, it changed the mindset of the customer. And now my customer understand that with technology and digital, they can enhance their reach. They can have global audience. They can do something not once a year or once every two years for the very large trade show. They can have ongoing interaction and providing better value to their audience. Yeah, true. Yeah, it's a completely different way of thinking right now. Exactly. In that journey, of course, when everything collapsed as one thing, and then you start to see, okay, this is the opportunity. And of course, with, it, with technology, things go really, really fast. So I think you've also started to see new competitors. 
right? Yeah, there have been, I mean, competition always been very tough in this industry. So that's not yeah. really have changed much. We have seen lots of different competitors doing the same things, yeah. you know, like plugging people with a small video stream. It's something not too complex to do, but yeah. really, really understanding all the granularity of events. This sure. takes a lot of time. So yeah. I think there was a lot of small startups that were unknown that slowly started to appear. But yeah, there has been competition because it's such a huge market with so sure. many different segments and vertical and needs that there is room to grow for many, many of these platforms. That what intrigues me is then the question like, how do you ensure that you stay ahead of the curve, that you like you have an advantage? How do you keep that advantage? First of all, it's the same it's the culture of your company. You need to have people who want to keep innovative and innovate and still want to be ambitious and be in the front run. And so you start by the culture of your organization and the people who recruit because they will be really demanding. We are an extremely demanding culture and organization come from maybe me and the rest of the team. And so we always want to push ourselves to be the best of the best. And so that's something. And then you saw speed as a habit is one of our mantra. I think we are maybe the platform that ship the most features every two weeks. We have a very strong, strong technology velocity. And that's something which is unmatched. And this is because we have a very strong tech team who has worked together since a long time. And so we were really in advance in terms of shipping stuff and like stuff that doesn't break because our customer really rely on us and their events happen during two days. So your technology must be very robust. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like I said, it's being very humble and open-minded and listening to what is happening, listening to the customer, listening to the market. At the end, the competition doesn't really give you any insight and you don't want to clone or copy the competition because basically you will hit a wall, but you really, really have to spend time with the market and listening and doing a lot of customer call and listening to their challenge and focusing on delivering on solving these challenges. Yeah, that's a very common one. And we often think we are listening, but we listen to answer and it's about listening with intent that you understand what's really going on, what's going on behind it. That's where the curiosity is coming from at the end. So, I mean, I already talked about my book. I wrote this book, The Remarkable Effect, and it's about the 10 traits that define remarkable software businesses. You're running a software business yourself. What do you believe are key traits that you need to create software that people talk about and keep talking about? Or is it already answered in the part around listening and culture? I think culture makes is really, really part. The founding team it's the starting point. And so who is starting and what is the mindset of these people? And then, you know, a lot of stuff you do will follow this. And if you are a toxic founder, you will have a toxic environment. If you are someone very curious who loves negative feedbacks and who always want to be the best at what it does and doesn't take a no for granted, that would be your culture. So... I think great companies start by great founders and having great culture that will attract great talents. That's the first thing. And then there is external factor that you can't change. The market is the market. Are you launching at the right time with the right market? Is the market ready? 
our market was not yet ready, but COVID finally opened our market. And we have been then able to grow really rapidly. And so there is an external factor as well. And so I would say that it's all about greed. Grit. Yes, exactly. Great. Yeah, exactly. Because it's so tough the first day, the first years. It's like having the product market fit. We didn't really do full pivot, you know, but we adapted twice the company. And because we, this is actually our number one value at the organization is resilience. We are resilience. You can't crush us. We are like an ant's hill. You can't. It's impossible to crush us. And because we have so much will to achieve and making stuff to happen, we will be successful because we have this desire to be successful. So I would say that it's something that really, let's say, if one day I will be an investor, this is something I will really look into with the funding team, what their personality and do they have this willingness to achieve no matter the cost. And so I think that really is something that I share with my founders and it's related to our first two years where it was really, really, really tough for us. We're definitely not living the entrepreneur dream and the marketing we do around entrepreneur and startup. It was really, really tough for us as founder launching a company with no resources, being bartenders at night, living in very small 15 square meter flat in Paris, dropping for high paid salary and basically have no salary for two years. And I've matched my my first salary recently, like six months ago, after seven or eight years working as an entrepreneur. So this is the hidden story about being an entrepreneur. We don't discuss much about that, but that very often there was, um, I don't know who say that, maybe it was Steve Jobs or whatever, a great entrepreneur, he says there is no instant success. He says something much better than that, but he was saying that all the success you see, it has take much, much more time than you think. And it was extreme devotion. Same for athletes. So I would say that would be one of my answers. Yeah, fantastic answer. And I completely agree with that. Question at the end is like, can you... How do you say, how do you facilitate that? Is it just in the hiring or is it also in the way you communicate? Um, How do you make sure that the vision is really lived in the organization? There is a different leadership style. I have seen there is great company who has been launched by very different leaders. So I think there is not one secret source. Looking at thinking about me and the organization, we are challenger. We love to challenge. And I think that part of our culture is that we are constantly challenging each other. And so it's actually part of our culture and onboarding. I'd say you, we are into company who love negative feedbacks. You should always ask for negative feedbacks and your colleagues will always give you negative feedbacks in a constructive way but negative feedbacks. What you've done was great, but you can do better. And this is how, you know, you can do it better. And then, you know, if these people have this habit of challenging themselves, then then when they brought people, first of all, they were brought people who are okay to fit that culture because we have made wrong hire at the early days. And we had actually someone who was definitely not open-minded enough to receive negative feedbacks. And then 
isolated himself and then he was working alone and we didn't really know what he was doing and we keep pushing him and then he didn't really like it at the end he left or because he was just not in the right environment but so then when you have created these habits then basically the people who come because if they have the culture fit they will do the same and replicate the same and so i think it's come from it really comes from the, the core funding team the people you hired and making sure they are like you and think like you yeah there's so much wisdom in that i love that and i love the point that you're saying we love negative feedback because yeah it's inviting it and then it will come because a lot of organizations have a culture whereby so yeah you can say everything to me but no one dares that culture starts to build Ooh, how to get rid of that one yeah, what are you most can... proud of achieving so far in, in this journey I'm proud that we are a team of over 200 people that is a profitable business and we're paying the salary of all these people every month. I'm proud to have created this job, but what I'm really proud is the environment we have created. Everyone who has joined Swapcard really says this is kind of a dream job or really a company where they really, really fit. And we have in an internal Slack channel, wall of love. And we receive not just internal love, we receive a lot of love from customer and say, I used to receive weekly messaging from customer when it was very intent and say, thank you so much. These people in your organization are amazing. And then I was, this is how we started with this wall of love. And now this wall of love is also internally we grew so rapidly during COVID. We hired over 200 people in 18 months and everyone has been working fully remote, not meeting anyone. And it's funny because we were having this internal newsletter and we did a survey to feed up that newsletter, which is a newsletter from the people to the people. And one of the questions was, would you describe Swapcard as a family? And then there was different answer. And and there was someone who said, absolutely, yes. You know, I've been in the technology world since 30 years. Everyone said it's a family, blah, blah, blah. And then I joined Swapcard. I, was, I didn't buy this type of family value and culture. And then I arrived and I can tell you it's really part. I'm really feeling be part of a family, even though I've never met anyone since 12 <laughs> months. And you can see that when you meet the people for the first time. When I met our head of sales for the first time, it was like two months ago, finally, we could finally meet. We called up for a small summit in the south of part of France. People were traveling all over the world. And then I knew something was going to happen. So I was joining the team late because I was flying from somewhere else. And then I opened my phone. I said, I will record that. And then our head of sales saw me in the street. They were on the bar and he, he ran at me and he hugged me and said, this guy, finally, I'm meeting you. And this is what's happening when you meet people at Swapcard. People, you work, you have been through a lot and you work with them and you, you love what you do and you have a great environment and you have amazing challenges and a lot of fun. And I think this is something I'm really proud of that no one has been leaving Swapcard because they didn't like this company. And actually, we now have a lot of demand from clients, partners who want to join us. And I think that what I'm the most proud is being able to create a modern company and be able to create the opposite of the company I used to work when I was a lawyer, where talents were living. 
because the culture was not the right one. And the opposite now, we have a lot of talent who wants to join us because we have a great culture. And at the end, for me, being an entrepreneur, it's, you know, being an entrepreneur, a startup or entrepreneur, it's really a human journey. And you don't do it alone, you do it with your team. And yeah. if you think about the company, just a bunch of people work together. So it's nothing more than that. So if you are able to have the right people doing the right job the right way, then it's an amazing experience and you will have this is memories forever. I like that you say this last part, uh, you got memories forever because that's what it's all about at the end. You know, it's memory after memory and that's the experience you want to create for customers as well. Fascinating. To, to end this, from all the lessons that you've learned, the tidbits of wisdom that you've gained over the last six, seven years as a CEO, what would be a do or a don't that you would give to another CEO that aspires to create something similar? Yeah, I would, I would really say the do will be you must be curious. You must have no ego. Let your ego. You need to know where he wants to go. Huh? And if people say it's not going to work, you need to believe in what you want to achieve. I would say for me, one of the reasons why I've been very successful is because I'm so curious. I constantly learn and search for knowledge. And I'm reading a lot of books. And actually, when you join Swapcard, there is a type form you have to fill up and answer different questions. And there is what is the most, your best book. And I'm buying every single book and I read them, plus the business book. So it's a lot of books to read. But this is also part of my onboarding. I'd say, you know, if you want to be successful, you need to go where is the knowledge. And that knowledge is in the brain of the people and these people, they wrote books. So you can either discuss directly to the brain. So this is networking and meeting people, being part of a community, finding mentors. You have access to their knowledge and then you should read books. Absolutely. I think if you want to be successful as a CEO, you must really, really read a lot and spend lots of time with people who have already been successful, who will tell you how to be successful. Wise advice. I copy you on that. You're like-minded here. I haven't read, well, I mean, they say that. When I started my own business four years ago, I mean, before I wasn't reading it, virtually nothing. And now I'm, like you're saying, two books a month at least. And there's no stopping to it. And there's so much to learn and so much ideas you get from it. Thank you very much. So where can people go to find out more about Swapcard or to say hi to you? Of course, if you want to know more about Swapcard, the best way to have a look is on the website, swapcard.com, and then really request a demo to see the products because the website hasn't been changed because we're so focusing on delivering the products, helping the customer. So even though it gives you an idea about what we do, the reason why people use Swapcard is because they have seen and touched the products and when you have seen the products, you want to use the products. Fantastic. And how can they best find you? Is it LinkedIn? Or um, is it yeah, another platform? Me, yeah, <laughs> on LinkedIn, actually, I answer to everyone who put a message when they had me. If you don't have the message, I will not answer. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. So thank you very much. It was super, super insightful. Thank you for your openness, sharing the wisdom, sharing the journey, fascinating journey. Just amazing that so many companies have so struggled and you grow, grew from 35 to 235 people in one year in the biggest crisis we can remember, so to say. So thanks for that. 
Yes, thank you, Tom. And thank you for inviting me and giving this opportunity to reflect on that journey. We don't always reflect as an entrepreneur. Exactly. Thank you very much. And this ends my conversation with Baptiste. I hope you enjoyed it. And if so, please leave a review on iTunes. And if it inspired you, please share it with other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that you have in your network. Other than that, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Baptiste Boulard, CEO of Swapcard. As said, the goal that I have in this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing, please send me an email at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book, or you're interested in joining the Remarkable Effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.